This series of the podcast, How to Be a Boss at Aging, is proudly sponsored by Clementine. Clementine is an app designed for women by women. Offering bite-sized bursts of hypnotherapy and empowering pick-me-ups, Clementine helps you fit much-needed me time around the rest of your life. Whether you're listening on your coffee break, before bed, or just taking five minutes peace in the loo, Clementine has a whole range of sessions to help you sleep better, feel calmer, and banish self-doubt. The shortest session on the app is just five minutes long. Described by The Guardian as one of the seven apps every woman should own, Clementine has you covered when it comes to sleep, anxiety and confidence. Find out why over 50,000 women already love Clementine at www.clementineapp.com and follow them on Instagram at clementineappuk. You can download the app for free from your app store and start listening today. Welcome to the podcast, How to Be a Boss at Aging. My name's Anarchy Somerville. In this episode, I'll be interviewing Sharon Walters. She's an artist and she's now given up her day job and is basically creating art full time. So I was interested in talking to her about this. How did she kind of move from her day job into doing something creative? Um, How does she kind of make art? Is it some sort of big secret thing or is it actually something that we could all have a go at? And we also talk as well about diversity in art um, and in particular the kind of lack of um, black female artists who are profiled in mainstream media so she gives some examples of her own inspirations and we talk about how more people can probably get um, into art without feeling too intimidated and in particular how we can kind of use things like art and creativity to make ourselves feel less anxious which is obviously very important right now because I think many of us are feeling quite anxious with um, lots of rules changing all the time and uncertainty in the future so perhaps we all need to take a leaf out of Sharon's book and actually just try and spend some time being in the moment and doing something that makes us feel fully absorbed and not really thinking about the past or worrying about the future. Okay, I hope you enjoy the interview and I'll come back at the end. Bye. Right, well, I'm really excited this week. I think I start off every podcast saying I'm really excited this week. I've got I've got a few catchphrases, really excited and very interesting. And they, they're quite... Uh, when I listen back to podcasts, I'm like, right, she keeps using those words. But I am genuinely excited. I've got Sharon Walters. And I could actually say out loud that I mispronounced Sharon's name the first time round. So this is the second time we've gone. Um, <laughs> I was just telling Sharon how professional I am in my sort of podcast recording at home um, and then totally fluffed up the intro. But the interesting thing is, is that Sharon is another person who lives locally to me in Ealing. And I won't get too specific on exact, you know, exact location and house number and stuff. But our paths do cross now and then in terms of I might see you in the local cafe or I'll see you maybe sitting in the front of another cafe. It's it's just quite a small community that we live in, isn't it? Yeah, it is, definitely. And I see sometimes just walking by if I'm in somewhere and I feel like jumping out and going, hi, Anarchy! And then I think, no, rein it it in. (laughs) Well, the funny thing is that that, that I'm often in my own world um, and I'll I'll be completely brutally honest and say it's not always a happy place that world sometimes it's it's, <laughs> okay. a, it's a place that's full of uh, to-do lists and then sometimes people go oh you just walked straight past me and you didn't even say anything and it might be because I've got the kids with me which is then often like you know what it's like you're just like I need to get home because one of them's asleep or it's just like oh my god I've got moths have eaten all my jumpers and I've got to go and get them fixed and I've got work to do we all we all have this endless to-do list don't we in our heads yeah we do we do 
But I will interrupt you next time because it sounds as though it's not always a happy place. So I'll just no. jump in and smile. I know. We all <laughs> cheer me up, exactly. Um, interestingly, I think I first sort of heard of you. You're on Instagram, um, obviously. But I think when I first spoke to you, you were still working because you're now in the, the position where you're sort of moving from one sort of career into doing what you love full time. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, so until this week, actually until two days ago, I was working for a local history museum and I'd been working there for four and a half years, coordinating community engagement programmes and public programming type events. And I left this week. My God. (laughs) I um, handed in my notice a month ago and I'm now a full-time artist, which feels amazing. And is that something that you'd always sort of had on your kind of wish list that you were like, at a certain point in my life, I really want to be able to do this full time? Or how did that come about? So I've always wanted to be an artist since I was a kid. That's the only thing I've ever really wanted to do. Um, Artist or art therapist or um, basically anything art related. But I've done a number of different jobs where I've worked with, for example, local community groups. I've worked with young people. I've worked um, and taught art in uh, a pupil referral unit and also in um, a prison for young people. Uh, But I've also worked with adults too. So I've worked with a whole spectrum of people. And then um, just recently, I was like, actually, especially during lockdown, things changed during lockdown because I realised that I didn't have control over things as much as I thought I did. And I am... yeah, I've now taken the leap. So it's been a gradual thing. I did a fine art degree at Central St. Martins. I graduated in 2011. I did a postgrad teaching certificate, but I've always worked with people with who were underrepresented. And that's what my Seeing Ourselves series is about. So I feel as I've been building up to this point for a really, really long time. I'm 45 now. But at this point, it's like, yeah, I can do it. I'm just going to dive in. So tell us a little bit about the concept behind seeing ourselves um, because you're probably best placed and how can people access the work and see it if they're kind of sitting at home listening to this? Okay so seeing ourselves is a handmade collage series. It features women of um, African descent. Um, It celebrates black women in particular and yeah I started the series two years ago. I've made over 250 pieces in that. I stopped counting at 250 and that was a a little while ago now, but I make the work almost obsessively. And it basically looks at heritage, it looks at identity. They're hand-cut pieces, which are very, very fragile paper cuts, and then they're layered with lots of different types of imagery, depending on how my mood is that day. So it's my way of um, expressing myself and kind of giving myself a voice. (laughs) And for, I mean, it's interesting because while I'm talking to you, obviously for people listening, um, I can see an image behind you, which is, it's it's a lovely kind of profile shot. And you're describing obviously this cut, is it called cut work, the way that you work? Yeah, Yeah. it's um, paper cut. Paper Um, cut. So so the piece that's behind me is a self-portrait and it's a it's basically a selfie I took when I was working at the museum looking out of the window. And that piece is actually called Beyond This Space, ironically, because during lockdown, when I saw the image and started working on it, I was kind of like, actually, I think I was always looking forward and wondering how I would navigate possibly becoming an artist. And so having that piece in the studio feels, in my home studio, feels really, really special. 
but it's basically where I've removed certain sections. And um, when I was painting, I worked in light and dark quite a lot. So when I'm working with my imagery of portraits of women, I'm again working with light and dark. Mm. And interesting. I mean, that style, I mean, I'll have to be just come straight out and say it, that I'm not an art aficionado. Like I'm probably, <laughs> if you were now going to like quiz me, pub quiz style on modern art, <laughs> I think I'd probably score one out of 20 or something like that. I might be able to name it's like okay. a few. But I've not seen that that particular kind of style before. I'll be completely honest now. I didn't really know what I was doing when I started making the series. So I hadn't been taught, even though I was studying at St. St. Martin's, I wasn't really seen as a visual artist. So I, I did some painting, but then gradually I was steered towards doing 4D work, so video installation and photography type stuff. But there isn't anyone else that I know of that makes work in this way. So it was really just me playing, trying different styles, um, seeing what works best. I don't think I have necessarily the best cutting technique, um, but I'm not trying to get to that point. I'm just trying to make work that kind of speaks to people in one way, work that they can connect with. But I do have some influences, um, as in people I admire. Yeah, so I go really on. Love, um, I love Sheena Rose. She's a Barbadian artist who I met through Instagram and then we met in real life when she came over to do Instagram's good show. like that, isn't it? In terms of it's being brilliant. able to hook you up with people that you yeah. admire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Karen Arthur, who you've had on your show previously, she's a friend who I made through Instagram as well. Mm. Um She's great because yeah, she's, again, she's very, uh, I mean, we, you know, we talk specifically about menopause and I think one of the things that she was obviously talking about, you know, obviously as a white woman with my background, I had no insight into at all, was kind of um, black women and menopause and how that works and how actually, and, you know, again, my sort of position was that I had no idea that when you Google women on the internet, if you type in menopause, you don't really see diverse um, images coming up at all. So even just more diversity in terms of the kind of art that we're seeing, because so, there's been a lot of arguments in the past, I know, about how it's, over, you know, men are often put on a pedestal in terms of being great artists and we don't always hear about female artists. But what about in terms of kind of diversity in art? Does that, is that changing or does it feel like actually, no, there's still an awful lot of work to be done? I still think there's an awful lot of work to be done. Um, the reason why I actually started making Seeing Ourselves is because I didn't feel as though, and I still don't feel as though we're represented um, fully in a number of different arenas. So not just in arts and heritage, but also, as you say, in you know menopause, in the menopause, in publicity, in um, in women's magazines. I mean, things are starting to change. Very, very slowly. We have obviously Edward Enenfull in charge of um, Vogue. And so you can see things starting to change in that way. But I still think there's a hell of a way to go. I mean, even when you look at museums, you don't. Re I don't really see myself reflected back. And I think things have started to change in the last few months. But my concern is, will it just be almost tick boxy type? <laughs> um, oh, look, we've got a black person on board. Or will we actually have a voice? And that's what my main concern is. Will you actually have a voice? Will you be able to speak up in those rooms that are predominantly white? Will your opinion be heard? Because it's not always the case. You might be in a museum, 
You might be the only black person in that museum, but are you only consulted on matters of race um, or, you know, speaking on behalf of all marginalised voices, which in itself is exhausting, but it's also unpaid labour and hugely unfair. What's your opinion on, um, because obviously a couple of months back, there was a lot of activity on Instagram, I suppose, you know, when you say the danger is that it's kind of something that just comes in and then goes back out again. Did you have a bit of that sense then when there was a lot of sharing and taking over of feeds? Um, Because I'll be completely honest with you, I felt like I didn't really know what I was doing or what I should do in terms of what was the best strategy. But equally, it didn't feel right that I should then approach one of my friends and say, what is the best strategy? Because they're like, why the hell? I'm glad you didn't do that. (laughs) Why the hell? Why the hell are you asking me? Like, you know, it's like, you could have, you know, but... I don't know. It's kind of, it felt like there was a lot of noise, wasn't there? Some of that. There was a lot of noise and there was a lot of sharing and there were a few occasions where I was kind of hailed as being this someone's friend, which was really weird. And, you know, we'd met once and we were on a night out once and all of a sudden I was this person's friend and go follow her. And she hadn't, we met once like three weeks, three years ago and we haven't seen each other since. Oh my God. And so stuff like that was really weird. Um, did you call them out also, on it or not? You didn't say anything. I just couldn't be bothered. You just left I it. almost did uh, and I was really wound up. And then I thought, you know what, I don't have the energy. I just can't be bothered to educate her if she can't see what she's doing. So hopefully someone else will. Because I wasn't the only one but um, that she'd mentioned. But it was also this thing of, oh, you know, follow this artist, you know, diversify your feed, which I think is a really good idea, by the way. And I also like the idea of share share the mic. But I think it has to be done in the right way. It's a bit like Black History Month. It's not just about mentioning black people for one month of the year, because guess what? We have bills all year round. Mm. (gasps) So we actually need work all year round I know. and we deserve to be heard all year round so it's that kind of thing it's not just um yeah I just wish that people would see it as part of a longer way of working with black people as opposed to let's just do it this month and then we've we'll move said, on to a different box. yeah mm. what's the next theme what's the next phrase I know. I mean, that we talked a bit about Instagram. One of the positive things that I love about it is it gets you to chat to other people. It's great for networking, isn't it? Mm, but then it's really good for networking. Sometimes you do get that sense that there's kind of like a specific issue or a specific thing. Everyone talks about it and then it goes away again and then something else comes in. And so it doesn't really get us into the mindset of thinking this is something that is going on forever. It's not something that you can just talk about for a week or two weeks, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think I think there are some people doing it properly. So, for example, I think it was last month, the month, the days roll into one, don't they? But I think it was last month I um, did an Instagram live for... Black Minds Matter, which is a black mental health charity. And it was a creative workshop. So I just did it live and it went really well. We had loads of views. And then someone contacted me who works for a creative company and said, I really love what you did on the um, on that platform. Would you mind working for us mm-hmm. and doing a workshop during our um, basically staff that are working from home? Can you do a live for them and we'll pay you during their lunch and break? And you were like, yes. 
I was like, yes, please, because I actually really like doing lives. Do you? <laughs> Come a bit addicted. I oh, love God, them. Oh, God, I find them. I've only, I, I need to do it more, actually, yeah. If you do fluff it, then it's quite obvious that you've made a booby. Oh, but it doesn't matter. You can just laugh and say, because I think it makes you more human. Does anyone want anyone to watch people that are completely polished and they've got it all right? No, I literally go on and I quite often don't even know what I'm going on for or what I'm going to say. Oh, really? Are we all good <laughs> yeah, then? So you, because I've yeah, I sort I just of um, I go with it. I did a couple, and um, I did one with um, oh god, I won't name her because it's too humiliating. But I, I had a <laughs> there's a funny thing. There's like your ego on Instagram, which is can get quite large if you left leave it unchecked because you can sort of just think, oh, lots of people like me and stuff. And then there's kind of the real world, and I think I I just. I thought oh, I'm going to start doing these lives and I did a live and I think uh, there was about four people watching and I was I was with somebody else we were chatting and I was thinking oh my god like this is really like I might as well just wrap this up because basically we've got four we've got an audience of four people I think two of them might be my sisters it's like this this is quite humiliating because <laughs> also everyone else can see that you've only got an audience of four people yeah. can't they but do you know what the only, the only good thing with that is because I've done a few now is that yeah, that bit is really like, or when you see the numbers starting to dwindle. Oh, when people are leaving, and you're like, oh yeah, my god, yeah, they're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm really talking rubbish now. But um, the only good thing is when you repost, when you actually repost it on your feed on your grid, you won't actually see how many people were watching. I want to go back to your art again because one of the things um, I'm interested in is this kind of mental health aspect as well. See, for me. I it's part of me managing my mental health so yeah it's great that people like the work and I share it and I sell my work um and you asked me earlier how people actually find me it's on my website so londonartist1.com or my Instagram handle but I am so obviously that's all good but the real thing the real benefit is it just forces me to slow down so I have like 101 different things like most of us do going on at the same time. You can't really run around and be super crazy when you've got a um, craft knife with a surgical blade in it. You have to focus, you'll cut yourself. The actual practice of cutting the paper, the, pa- the knife going through the paper is so therapeutic. It's really difficult to explain. Um, I use a cutting mat as well, so obviously... Um, surfaces are protected or my lap's protected if I'm working on the sofa. I've never, ever finished a piece and not felt relaxed. And how long, on average, because I'm just wondering, how long would it take you? Is it quite kind of, it's slow, methodical work, but does it take you ages to kind of do one piece or does it really depend on how much kind of cut work? I keep calling it cut work, yeah. right, but how long does it take? It's all right, you can call it cut work. I just, it, yeah. Oh, it depends. <laughs> it depends. Um, I was working on a piece last night, which I started for the workshop the night before. Um, so that was a couple of days, but obviously I was doing other stuff in between. Uh, the piece behind me, um, the large A1 um, paper cut, that took a few months. It really depends on the work. Some pieces are super small. Some pieces are more intricate thing that I like about making the work is that there aren't any rules so I make the rules um, yeah there aren't any rules at all I just go with how I'm feeling I've got no idea how the work will turn out at the end I just allow the process to take over and I think there are very few spaces well there are very few spaces for me where you can just allow the process to lead you as opposed to 
there being certain rules and things you need to do. And what I like about this work also is I haven't been taught how to do it. So there's, I haven't got a voice in the back of my mind going, no, you're doing it wrong, dear. The other thing I wanted to talk to you a bit about is that, because I suppose for a lot of women in their 40s, kind of, it's a time when you kind of hopefully are moving more towards the things that you want to do in life, you know, so, so kind of maybe in your career, because I think you're in an enviable position now in that you're doing pretty much what you love aren't you yeah so I am. how did you get to that point because there's, there will be people who'll be going I just don't have the financial backup to be able to throw in my day job and and do something that I really love doing and there might be other people who are going actually I don't know what the hell I want to do and that's another question but how did you get to this this position where you were like I've now got enough confidence to know that this is gonna this is gonna work you know the, the main thing is, I think selling a lot of work during lockdown really helped. Um, let's not pretend that didn't happen. I mean, there was one particular piece that I shared on Instagram and I think it was within three or four days, I sold the entire 23 pieces. Oh my Lord. Yeah, that, that completely blew my mind. Um, <laughs> and... There are a number of different pieces that I sell that um, people have really fallen in love with and just been, I really, really need to have it. Um, so doing that really helped, but also not thinking that I needed one particular job. So yes, I sell my artwork, but I also, as I said earlier, I deliver workshops online. I'm also going into a number of schools to deliver workshops. Um, I'm also working with the National Maritime Museum um, on a year-long project where we're unveiling um, objects from the collection and it kind of extends my Seeing Ourselves series because we're looking at African women in particular and women of the African diaspora. So I don't have like one set job. I'm doing lots and lots of different things and I'm kind of embracing all the things that I've done along the way and going, yes, that's valuable. Yes, that's useful. Um you know, because I used to train teachers and deliver workshops across the country a few years back. So I'm bringing all of those skills with me rather than thinking, what's this job title that I'm working towards? Or I'm not looking for a job on a job website. If you see what I mean, I'm mm. kind of... Well, you're a multi... combining everything. Multi-hyphenates. <laughs> you're yes. the... Uh... Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's kind of the ideal, isn't it? Because the way that you're describing it, I think you're not making a leap from one thing to another. You've got lots of different pots on the boil. And I suppose some months, one might be, I'm trying to use the analogy of pots and it's not going to work, but, you know, some Go days, some days you know, the pots are going to be <laughs> bubbling over and other times they might be a bit dry and there's not too much to, you know, stuff on the bottom. So it's kind of, and I suppose if there's more coming in of certain kinds of work, you can you can think, oh, is that something I want to grow and I can chase that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think having all of these different things going on. Oh, and plus I have commissions as well. So I have um, commissions that I'm working on alongside all this stuff. So it is a lot to juggle and manage. But I think I think I just gave myself permission as well to just dive in. And I think everything being out of our control, well, lots of things feeling as though they're outside of our control, this was the one thing that I thought, actually, I can do this. I can just go for it. Also, if it's that thing of, it's a bit cheesy, but I'm going to say it anyway. But if not now, when? You know, 
I think it was last year or the year before I started thinking, okay, is this it? Is this my life? Is this exactly what I want to do? And I was like, actually, no, it's not. I want so much more. And I thought this, <laughs> I have this thing of thinking today is the youngest I'll ever be. Well, so, you I know, like some people think, oh, I'm getting older and I'll, yeah, I am getting older. But right now in this moment, I'm younger than I'm going to be tomorrow. And if I don't take, push myself and just go for it, then I'll be looking back wishing I'd done things. But I just try and take each each day at a time. I don't think too far ahead because I do get really overexcited as well. A little bit overwhelmed. I'm like, oh, then this is going to happen. But I just need to just one day at a time. Mm. Um, Do you do anything like in terms of kind of um, meditation or yoga? So aside from your, your sort of creative work, is there other stuff that you do to try and just chill out and not lose your mind? Well, I used to run, but I'm not very good anymore. But I'm trying to get back into running. I went to a brilliant workshop the other night with um, Aisha McKenzie at Soho House. It was open to everyone. And it was a, uh, it was actually, it was specifically open to black women. (laughs) I said to everyone, but it was um, a meditation session and it was absolutely beautiful and so calming. And I did that on the same night that I left my museum job. So it was the per- it was weird. Like years ago, there would have been a massive party and drunk loads, but I don't drink anymore anyway. And obviously, there's a global pandemic, so you can't party in that way. And um, yeah, so that was the brilliant. That was a completely different leaving party where I wasn't actually with my work colleagues. And she gave us this amazing oil to smell. And I just honestly, it was quite difficult to explain how brilliant that experience really was. But it's something that I'll never forget because. I just think, as I said earlier, things are so, so fast paced that just being in this space with very few women and everyone just lying, lying down and on these mats and having these brilliant words spoken to you really positively was so, yeah, it was magical. I need more of that in my life, I think. I think it's funny because I was um, I was interviewing a psychotherapist actually in the last series, um, Hilda Burke, and I think she was saying that with a lot of women nowadays, they have this this need to fill up all their moments with with doing stuff. So even like if you think about it, listening to a podcast is still doing stuff. So you know, she said I've got people who will say to me, you know, oh, in my lunch hour I listen to two or three TED talks and then I get a podcast on, and she's like why don't you just do nothing? Like, why don't you, you know, you don't need to, because this fast pace, part of it is because there's so much content going into our brains that our poor old brains are just like going, no wonder we're in a muddle sometimes because it's like, I don't think, certainly my brain doesn't seem to be designed to retain so much information all the time. And I love, I love podcasts, I love books, but I feel like I really have a hard time just sitting and doing nothing like you know even yeah, if I, I sit in the bath really I started trying to balance my iPhone on the side of the bath <laughs> so I could watch um Selling Sunset and I was like this is this is so not like a your, your phone is going to be destroyed but also why can't yeah. you just sit in the bath and look at the tiles yeah, it's it's a it's a malaise it is isn't funny. it yeah I think and I really encourage I've got two kids and I really encourage them to have this kind of quiet time where there are no distractions. And they're actually quite good at doing that. And then they look at me and they're a bit like, hmm, okay. And I can see them being a little bit judgy, but I can't blame them. But they are able sometimes to just be able to sit. 
which I which don't, is I'm a, not really able to do. No, because I think there's that you sort of almost just maybe a guilt that you're not being yeah. being productive. Productive, yeah. Not there's a productive use of time. Yeah, there's there always seems to be stuff to do, but um, hopefully I'm gonna work towards. Well, I'm gonna try and work towards just find it. So I kind of I guess I do. Sometimes when I'm walking, for example, so this morning I walked, but then I listened to your podcast while I was walking. So I wasn't walking and just having, yeah, having that complete headspace. I know, it's funny because then you get into that position. So like um, my youngest now is napping, but she'll wake up in a bit. But then I get into this thing where if I do have an hour, I'm like almost in a panic because I'm like, is it going to be, am I going to do a podcast? Am I going to do some washing? Am I going to like, you know try and do some reading or should I just watch telly because actually that's not a bad thing yeah Um, it's so difficult to know what to do I remember when my daughter was because your daughter's almost two yeah 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 when my daughter was around that age I think for me that was my most challenging time just because well I had anxiety and depression so I was really everything felt so intense and I never knew what to do with that actually she stopped napping as well oh god that's like oh, she stopped she stopped napping at one. Oh no that's no cool. no because I think literally from the minute I oh. get up because she wakes up about five thirty, and obviously it's dark oh, wow. in the bloody morning it's like yeah. being in medieval bloody times and I get <laughs> I get up and I'm like okay so I've just got to hang in there like today I'll hang in there until about half 11 and then I've got this little period of respite but I would I would cry if she dropped a nap. I think I would I would just be so upset. I know it will happen eventually, but you know, I would I don't know what I would do. I think I'd just have to put her in a grow bag and pretend that she was having a nap. <laughs> it's so funny because she my daughter's so different to my son. So my son would sleep twelve to fourteen hours a night without waking. And then sleep for four hours in the day. So I thought I really had it down. I was like, oh my gosh, it's from all those years of working with children. <laughs> you know, like not telling anyone, obviously, because I would be that would be really annoying. But um <laughs> then my daughter came along and she would sleep late, you know, she'd sleep until seven-ish or so, but she just dropped the naps. And, but yeah. <laughs> oh God, well, I've still got a way to go. Um listen, I'm gonna wrap up now, love, but this has been such a good chat. Um just remind listeners then, so obviously people can follow you on Instagram at London Artist. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. So, so yeah, so my Instagram handle is London underscore artist one. And my website is londonartist1.com.com. I will put it on the resources for the show as well so people can look um, and I'll make sure that we've included all of that because I think now is a time, probably twofold, people need to familiarise themselves with your work and have a look at it and also just maybe get busy themselves with trying out some, you know, a bit of their own creativity because it just is probably going to have a good impact on your mental health, isn't it? Yeah, and just trying something that maybe you used to love when you were younger or that you've lost touch with, but just not being afraid to try and not putting too much pressure on yourself, really. Mm, and and fighting the little voice in your head that's going, that doesn't look right, that's a bit shit. Yeah, ignore that voice, <laughs> that's not your friend. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sharon. It was really interesting. It was eye-opening for me. And I think I just found it really exhilarating to talk to somebody who's made art their career um, and is really making great strides doing that. And she's made a big leap into the unknown. And I love talking to women in their 40s who are doing that. 
um, and are really sort of making a change and addressing the fact that they're not happy in their current work context. Um, and it's something I find inspiring. Anyway, do like, subscribe and review and um, message me on Instagram. I'm Anarchy Somerville. And let me know if you've got any thoughts or ideas. And please do review, actually. I think I've already said that, but it makes a big difference. Thanks and see you next week. Bye.